Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. There is um, there's something about there's something amazing about our lives with God. It always is amazing. No no two days are exactly the same for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you. God not only brings comfort, joy, and peace and many other wonderful things into our lives, but God also gives us surprises. Okay? God also gives us surprises. So we're going to talk about surprises today because our God is a God of surprises. The definition of surprise is an an unexpected, astonishing event, fact, or thing. Surprise can be a gift from God that is in accordance with his word and foreshadows his plan for our lives in many cases. The giver of this good gift, of course, God, uses the gift to elevate our lives in some way. When surprises take place in our lives, it is crucial that they do not become the main priority in our life or become the first place event in our lives. They cannot be seen, the surprise cannot be seen as more than the giver, which is, of course, God. And they cannot be seen as bigger than God himself or God's love for us. So anything that God surprises us with, especially if it's something pleasant, we cannot elevate that thing above God. We have to remember where it comes from. We can't let the surprise become more important than God. We can't idolize that surprise, you know, a new car or a new job, a new event or something, so much in our heart that we forget about where it came from. When God's surprises manifest in our life, we have to surrender it to Christ and let Jesus take over. The reason why surprises are in accordance with his word is because they mirror back God's words to us. Surprises that God puts in our lives mirror back God's words to us. But many times when that surprise happens, we don't think about how it connects with God, how it directly relates to his word. When we receive a surprise from God, it mirrors his faithfulness. And every day that the surprise is in our life, whether it's a job opportunity, a relationship or a financial breakthrough, It mirrors God's love in our lives. Even if the surprise is a negative one, it shows that God has permitted this negative thing into your life because he loves you and he wants to strengthen you or to increase your faith in him. But God is indeed a God of surprises. The surprises of God cultivate what we did not have before the actual surprise came. Think about that. The surprise that comes in your life is intended to cultivate your life Okay, beyond where it was before the surprise happens. This makes me think of Ezekiel. When he had that vision of heaven, he was in awe of the angels and that God that stood before him. Every moment of the surprise cultivated something deep within Ezekiel that was not in his heart before the vision. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1. This has always been a a, a fascinating scripture. It's been one of of many discussions. In biblical and and Christian ranks for for years and years and years. But let's read what the word of God says about it. Ezekiel 1. And I'm sure this was a surprise, speaking of of surprises. Ezekiel 1, chapter 1. And we'll start with verse number 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And on the line, please, and I saw visions of God. Heavens were opened, and I, and I saw visions of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'll wait for, you, for a moment for you to get your pens and things out. Praise the living God. Okay. 
It says there again, it was in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Underline, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Okay, and we'll just stop and just pause there for a moment. Now, when you go through the rest, go through the rest of the description there, you'll see that it's a quite remarkable description. It talks about the wheels spinning and so on like that. And it's really, it makes you really, really, really just think and ponder. All right. But then when you go down to uh, Ezekiel chapter two, because I'm not going to read through that whole description of what he was seeing. Chapter two, verse number one, it says, and he said unto me, son of man, stand upon thy feet. And I will speak unto thee. And the spirit entered into me when he spoke unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spoke, that spake unto me. And he said unto me, son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation, nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff hearted. I do send them unto them. And thou shalt say to them, thus saith the Lord God, thus saith the Lord God. And I just want to stop there because this is obviously this is a vision of God. How I'm relating this to you is that we're talking about surprises. Whatever Ezekiel was thinking about God, he never expected God to appear to him in this form. So we see that surprise is used by God throughout Scripture. We're going to look at some more of those instances. Here Ezekiel was picturing God however he was picturing. The Bible doesn't say how Ezekiel thought of God, but he never expected God to appear to him in this form. So it was a surprise. The Bible is full of surprises. God called a man, from, a man named Abram from the city of Ur. Go to Genesis 12. Good old Genesis 12. And I know you're familiar with this scripture. Genesis 12. Talking about surprises and how God uses them in your life. And we're going to get more relate how that relates to you in a moment as we go along. But here we're talking about another instance of a surprise. Genesis 12, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse number one. Now the Lord had told, had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Then it goes on to say that Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old, and he departed out of Haran. Okay? But what it says there up in verse number one, now the, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. That was a surprise. Here again is another surprise. And at that particular point in time, Abram had no idea what God was going to, where he, where he was going. He did not expect that God at some point was going to all of a sudden tell him, Abram, guess what? I want you to leave town. 
God didn't say to Abram, you know, in three months or so, I'm going to appear before you and I'm going to tell you to leave town. No, God just all of a sudden says, this is what I want you to do. And it's the same thing in our lives. God pops in with surprises. Just when we least expect it, we don't know where God is going with something. Or God doesn't, you don't know where God is going with you. God will pop in with a surprise. God tells him to leave home and go, go somewhere that God will show him. We are left asking ourselves, where is God taking him? At this point, we don't know. And at this point in reading the scriptures, we're not giving, giving all of God's reasons. When God puts you into, drops a surprise on you, he doesn't always give you the reasons also. We don't know the destination for Abram, at least not yet. Genesis 12 goes, simply says it was so. And we can choose to keep reading or we can put down the book in befuddlement. But God surprises us whom he calls, surprises us when he calls. So when he, when, we, when he said to Abram, and you're reading that scripture, you could say, oh, well, now what sense does that make? Out of the blue, scratch your head and then close the book and you stop reading. But however, if you continue to read, if you want to know more about what God has in mind, then you continue reading the scripture. So God all of a sudden drops a surprise in your life. What do you do? You scratch your head in befuddlement and just give up and just say, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then go on and go about your business. Or do you, do you become more curious and do you inquire of God? Because what does this surprise mean? mean? You go to Exodus 23. Exodus 23. Thank you, Jesus. Looking at examples of surprises here. Now, God uses the element of surprise in, in uh, people's lives. Chapter 23, verse number 27. And I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people in whom in whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. This is where as background text context here. This is where God is telling Moses and the people how to behave in this promised land, in this new land that they're in. Okay. And and verse 28 says, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out out from before thee in one year. Unless the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Now, just put a bracket around that and just understand what God is saying there, too. Just put a little bracket around that particular verse there. He says that I will not drive them out from before thee in one year unless the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply. These are people living in that land already. So what God is saying that if I was to, to drive them completely out then there would be no one there to keep the wild animals at bay and to keep things from just totally decaying. Okay, so God says for a period of time I'm going to leave them there because he doesn't want the land to become desolate and doesn't want the the beast of the field to multiply against Israel. All right, so he's saying I'm going to leave them there even though you're going to be overcoming them. I'm not going to remove them yet because I want them to stop the land, keep the land um, uh, uh, fertile, if you will. I don't want the beast to just multiply so much that they overtake you Israelites. Verse 30. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds, set thy bounds from the Red Sea, from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines, and even from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land unto your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve thy gods, it will surely be a, be a snare unto thee. 
So he's saying here now, so, so uh, what, what he's basically saying is that he's bringing them into a land and he's telling them what he wants them to do while, he, while they're there and that how he's going to drive people away from them, these enemies away from him. So he's saying another, another surprise. Okay, Lord, well, you put me here and you're saying now that you're going to drive these, these enemies away. And yes, you're going to keep them for a while. So what's going here or going on here? God did not give a whole big, deep explanation. But then if you go to Exodus 24, you see, See, first he's telling them how to live. And then in Exodus 24 comes with another surprise. 24, verse number one. And he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nedab and Ahihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship you afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh. Neither shall the people go up with them. And here you see now another surprise. God surprised Moses with an invitation. All of a sudden, you're out of the blue now. Moses is saying, I want you to come up to the mount with me. He didn't give him any forewarning, give him a, didn't give him a whole lot of explanation, but another surprise. Wasn't it enough that God would guide his people out of Egypt? Wasn't it enough that he would give them his commandments and lead them to the promised land? Well, apparently it wasn't. God wanted to do more. God decided to invite the leaders of Israel to a dinner party, if you will. All right. So then we see the, the, the surprise extended here. You go to verse number nine and it says, verse number nine. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, Ahil, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his, his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its uh, cleanness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, uh, they saw God and did eat and drink. Please underline, and did eat and drink. Now, here there's this holy God, all of a sudden now, they're being invited up there to sit down and eat with God. Another surprise. God surprises us many times by seeking fellowship with us. God will be asking us to come and to do something with him that is totally out of, in our minds, out of character with God. But that's how he works. You see, now, now he, so he said, like, I want you, Moses, to bring just these people, but the rest of you stay afar off. God may surprise you in inviting you into some place with him. God may surprise you by saying, I want you all of a sudden to go into your prayer closet. I want you to, to, to not go there, not go here, but to go into your prayer closet and I want to spend some time with you. I want to fellowship with you. How many of you realize that praying to God is more than simply praying to God? That is fellowshipping with God. When you go and you pray to God, do you actually enjoy his presence? Do you feel him in your prayer closet? Do you feel him around you? Do you feel him near, feel him near you? God wants to enjoy your presence. So, again, that can be a surprise. Don't be surprised, you know, <laughs> with the one hour time back set. I still wound up waking up the time that I normally wake up. So, therefore, in essence, I had an hour to go before it was the actual time that it was. And so for a while I laid there in bed and I was just saying my prayers in bed. And I distinctly heard the Lord God say, no, I don't want you there. I want you up. I want you up praying to me. I want you up. So I got up and I went down and I got on the treadmill for a while and I exercised and I prayed while I was not laying in bed, but while I was exercising and then I went and had some prayer time with him. I didn't expect that, but I knew this was what God wanted me to do. You see, so God will surprise you. You know, you get into a routine with God and this is how I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Don't be surprised when God tells you, I, I, I don't want you to do that today. I want you to do this. I want you to come and spend some time with me. The same way he told Moses, I'm inviting you up to Mount Sinai. I'm inviting you to come and, 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 and sup with me. 
They saw God and they ate and drank, as it says in 2411. Consider another surprise. Elijah was discouraged and thought he would be better off dead. Remember Elijah? He was, got discouraged after dealing with Jezebel and so forth, and he thought he'd be better off dead. Sometimes we're ready to give up, too. You have a point in your life and everything. Maybe you've never, I hope you've never gotten to the point, gee, was I wish I was dead. But you have gotten to the point where you felt like, gee, was it's just, it's just pointless. You know, I need this, I need that. I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that, and it's just not happening. What's the use? You want to just crawl off in a corner someplace and just forget about everything. Well, well, we know that Elijah went through the same, went through the same thing. You go to 1 Kings. Let's go to 1 Kings. God is a God of surprises. And you never know what God is going to do, but you can rest assured one thing, that it's going to be a good thing. God is a God of surprises. 1 King uh, 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm trying to build a foundation here to show you how God has used the element of surprise in so many cases in the Bible here. So that when God starts dropping surprises into your life, and he will, and he will. God is doing a thing. God is doing a thing, and it's not going to be as it was before. There's all of the the elements are around us. All of the evidence is there. God is doing a thing. God is looking for those who are really seeking him. God is looking for those who are going to be faithful to him, regardless of what's going on in their lives. And what God is saying is that in bringing you to where he wants you to be, in bringing us to where he wants us to be, God is going to use an element of surprise. Because he has used elements of surprise. This is why I'm taking the time here to go through the Bible to show you where God has used surprise to bring about blessings. Because many times we as human beings, we get stuck in the, this is the same old, same old. We get up and we go to church expecting the same old, same old. We get up and we even go to work the next day outside of church. We're expecting the same old, same old. Well, how many here really, really understand that going to church and your work with God extends beyond the two or three hours that you spend in church? If you're really a child of God and if you're really a Christian, your walk with him extends into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it starts all over again. So just because you walk, you walk out of the church building, your relationship with God hasn't stopped. At least in your heart, it should not be stopping. So the element of surprise that God uses can take place at any time during that process. It can take time. It can take place certainly in church. If you're in a good church and there's Holy Spirit filled and whatnot, gee, you should be there expecting a surprise every time you go to church because Holy Spirit is moving. Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. Okay. And we're, we're, we're at, we, we are at a crossroads in this country, in this ministry, and things are changing. So what I'm saying to you is that when the surprise comes, when the surprise comes, for you to know how to handle it. Because it's going to come. It's going to come. People are, are, are sitting back waiting. What the devil does is to make Christians sit back and get complacent and think, oh, well, I'll go to church Sunday because if I don't, so-and-so will know I didn't go, or so-and-so, and they'll bug me about not going. So I'll get up and go. And they're thinking it's a duty to go to church. They get up and they go to work. Oh, well, i got to go earn bread and butter. i got to pay the mortgage. i got to pay the rent. I'll just do this. They never think about their relationship with God and what's happening in the spiritual realm. Because in the first place, many Christians don't believe the spiritual realm exists, even though they go to church. They don't believe it exists. 
heard a minister on TV this morning while we were getting dressed there, and he was talking, he read the scripture that, that says that, that where Jesus was praying to, to God the Father and was saying, God, God, they are in the world, but protect them from the evil one. Protect them from the evil one. And he went on to explain that the world is not talking about the planet Earth, obviously. He's talking about the, 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 the system that we live in as Christians. The way the way the world is, the way people that are non-Christians operate. So Jesus was saying that while they have to operate in that world, protect them from the evil one. Many Christians don't even recognize the fact that there is an evil one. Many Christians don't even recognize the fact that there is a devil and that there are demons out there. And there's the evil forces that would love to keep you from realizing what God wants you to do. That's so evident with the whole thing of Halloween. I won't even go there now. It's a whole, whole different sermon. But so many Christians don't realize that it's real. So what God is saying here is that there's going to be some changes coming about and there's going to be surprises. But look for these surprises. And when you receive them, be ready, be ready, because God used the element of surprise all throughout these scriptures here. We see in Kings, in in Kings, one Kings chapter 19, starting with verse number one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets, uh, all the all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me, gods with a little g, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of, of them by tomorrow about this time. So in other words, you recall called Aram, Aram, Elijah slew the 400 prophets of Baal. Remember that? OK, he did that, which upset Jezebel. So now Jezebel is sending a wolf ticket or warning to, to Elijah, saying the same way you did that, I'm going to make your life miserable. OK, and he sent that message to Elijah. She sent that message to Elijah. Verse number three. And when he saw when, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, Elijah now, and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Ask God that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Please underline that. It is, it is uh, enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake broken on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Underline, please, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, and he went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And we'll pause there. Now, here we see he was running from Jezebel, who had promised to kill, kill, to kill him. And this time, God, instead of giving Elijah a place to stay uh, with a widow in a time of recovery like he did in 1 Kings 17. And that's where uh, Elijah sent him to the uh, to the widow. And the widow had she said, only have a cruise of oil and a little bit to never, for my son, eat it and when we'll die and so forth. Elijah said, no, first feed me, you know, and so on. And she did that. And the boy wound up surviving and everything was good. Well, instead of doing it that way this time, God chose another element of surprise. He said, no, this is what I want you to do. And God wound up feeding him. 
twice feeding him. You see, now the same way that you are going through whatever you're going through or praying for and wanting to go watch for surprises, because during that time, God is going to a good, do a good thing for you. He will sustain you through whatever period of time that you're going through. If there's a period of lack or whatever is happening there, God will sustain you. Now, apparently there was really something special about this cake. It must have been some kind of superfood because it says there that he arose and ate and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. So that was a heck of a cake. I mean, gee, I bet Winco doesn't carry that. Amen. 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 So that was some food. You see, but the, the surprise is that God sustains us. You see, you see. And the many times when you've got something that you're praying for and you're hoping for. All right. The, the answer may not come to you the way you expect it. You see, and that's what God is saying here today. All right. We're at a crossroads. Things are going to change and it's going to be a surprise. And that God is surprised may not come in the form that we're expecting it to come. It may come in the form of ravens, quote unquote. All right. You follow what I'm saying here. OK. If this was not a, a human being the way like with the with the widow it was a human being that baked the cake. No, this was ravens. The place that he, he would Elijah would least least expect the, 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 the sustenance to come from. So whatever that surprise God is preparing for you, look for it to be in a way and in a form that you haven't been expecting before. All right. God is the supernatural God. He's the God of the supernatural. These are just several of the ways that God surprises us. God surprises us, especially, of course, in the redemption that he secures for us through Jesus Christ. For many, a few among the Jews realized who Jesus was. And even when they did, it wasn't until after the resurrection. Well, until after the resurrection that they truly understood and appreciated how God had orchestrated history on the people on the people's behalf. When Jesus came, they didn't expect all that to happen that was going to come. They surprised them. Okay, God surprised them. Jesus walks amongst them, amongst them, and while even though they were there and Jesus was talking to them, they still did not expect to happen what was indeed going to happen. We go to John 16. Go forward to John 16 here. Praise the living God. Oh, I love surprises. John 16. John 16, verse number one. John 16, verse number one. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. If you have a, if you have a red letter Bible, these words are written in red, meaning that Jesus is doing the speaking here. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh. That whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Interesting. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, uh, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Now, he's saying it. These things I have told you that when the time shall come, you will remember that I told you. Verse five. But now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you ask me, where do you go? And because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that you are expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Let's pause there for a moment. Now, remember this now. He's speaking this to them. All through his ministry, all of a sudden, now he's bringing this thing about a comforter coming. Now, we know this is the Holy Spirit. 
through the time they were following Jesus, they were not expecting this at all. They were not expecting this. They loved what they heard. They loved what Jesus was saying. But now all of a sudden, Jesus is now dropping another bombshell. He's saying, you know, for you, it's good that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then God the Father can't send the Holy Spirit to you. Uh Uh-oh, another surprise. He continues. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And if you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. Here's a, here's a new truth. I have, set, I, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? Although, however, when, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, and that, uh, and, and that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath mine, hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he, uh, he will take of mine and show you and shall show it unto you. So here's another surprise all of a sudden now, okay? He's saying that, that if I don't go away, then God can't send the Father, can't send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what? He's going to show you wondrous things. He's going to show you things that you, that you, you, you won't even realize. He'll be teaching you. Another surprise. They said, wait a minute now, when Jesus first, remember when Jesus first went into his ministry and he was going, uh, he called Peter and them off the boat and said, come with me. I'm going to, you're going to make you fishers of men. They went to Matthew, the tax collector, said, follow me. Now all these guys gave up their day jobs and went and followed Jesus. They listened to Jesus preaching and he was saying wonderful things. Never did they think that what it was going to culminate in. They were not expecting this promise of the Holy Spirit, you see. So God works in surprises, works in surprises. Jesus didn't say, come and follow me. Come listen to my ministry, listen to my teachings, because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit in some time in the past. No, no, no. Jesus did not mention that. But now he's dropping it on them. The same way there's some, there are some things that are pending in your lives. There are some things that are working in your lives. And God has chosen not to drop it on you for whatever his reasons are yet. God has not chosen to prepare you for it. But these surprises that God is going to drop on you is going to be answering a lot of your questions. A lot of the things that you're wondering about God, you're wondering about your relationship with him. You're wondering about where you're going in him. You're wondering about how your ministry is going to grow. And yes, your ministry, because we all, we, all of us Christians, lovers of Christ, you have a ministry. Whether you're called to be a pastor, a minister, working in the ministry or whatever it is, an evangelist or so on, you have a ministry. And whatever that is, that is part of your, your ultimate goal in serving God. And you're wondering about where that is. But God's going to be dropping surprises on you. Okay, God is a God of surprises. The same way he told them at, the, at this point in time, this is what I'm going to tell you. The surprise of the Holy Spirit is going to be given to you. It wasn't until after the resurrection that passages like Isaiah 53 were, were truly appreciated and understood. Now let's go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. It wasn't until afterwards Isaiah 53, and we're just going to look at 4 and 5, or go to to 3 even. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid it, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And underline, with his stripes we are healed. And with his stripes we are healed. Now, of course, this is written before Jesus Christ was born and his ministry started. This was a prophecy that came true. Because with Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, he, he overcame death infirmity and everything else. So now we are set free by Jesus stripes, the whip and the stripes on his back with those stripes. We are now healed. But at the time that Jesus was on the earth preaching these things, people didn't realize at the time that this prophecy was going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ himself. So when Jesus Christ went up on the cross and when he was resurrected, all of a sudden, wow, the revelation came that everything that was prophesied about Jesus was true. This is another surprise. This is another surprise. Okay, okay. Jesus did not. Jesus read from Isaiah many times when he was up in the in the temple reading. And you'll see that if you look at scripture, he says that he read from the book of Isaiah. But it wasn't realized until after his death and resurrection that how Jesus was fulfilling this prophecy. So you see, again, there was this surprise. Who would have thought that God would send his son to die? Okay. The apostles, the, the apostles that were following him, disciples at the time that were following him, they, wasn't, they didn't always think that Jesus was going to be hung on the cross and crucified. It wasn't until later on in the ministry, as we read there, that Jesus told them where I must go and what must happen. See, but another surprise. So God operates, operates in surprises. Who would have thought that he would be a savior who gave himself for his, his first coming, but who will come in judgment at his second coming, which is shown in Revelation 22? The other surprise. OK, people out there still don't believe what is going on. They're going to be greatly surprised when Jesus comes again the second time. Why is God so surprising? That is, why does he work in this way? We get hints of why God works this way throughout Scripture. For one, God doesn't think on the human level. He thinks on his own level, which is beyond our understanding. God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. So you don't understand why God operates in surprises. Why does not God tell you in, the, in advance what he's going to be doing in your future? Well, it's very, very simple if you stop and think about it. If you knew exactly what God was going to do in your life, where he was going to send you, how many of us would follow what God wanted us to do? How many of us would feel all of a sudden, I have a better plan for me? That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do at all. So God has his reasons many times for not letting you know what's going on. Sometimes he'll give you some foreshadowings, but a lot of times it's, it's caught, you're caught by surprise. Moreover, God seems to enjoy working contrary to the world's wisdom. God does not, God chose, um, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose uh, what is weak in the world to shame the strong. 1 Corinthians 1.27. And also God prefers the people that we often do not. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Amen. According to Psalm 34, 18. You see, so God does not think that the way we think. So be prepared. There's going to be a surprise in your life. We often think that God will work according to our own logic or the world's logic in our lives. But it's mistaken to think that way. Don't let yourself think that way. God doesn't work according to logic. A good way to think about how God works is to look at trees. Many times you see trees um, that have branches twist and turn. Not all trees go straight up. You see some trees that actually will grow horizontally for a little bit and then all of a sudden they'll go up. Especially if you're deep into forest, you see that not all trees just go straight up. 
Have many of you seen twisted trees? I call them a twisted tree. But they, 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 they don't just go straight up. They grow one way and then they grow another. There appears to be little logic in the pattern or the movements of the tree's growth pattern. But we just simply stand back and we view the tree as a whole. And so it is often a beautiful thing to the behold. And every single tree is different. Every single tree is different. You ought to expect God to work in our lives like a tree. Expect God to work in your life similar to a tree. God is molding you. He's shaping you. And he's surprising you into victorious outcomes. You see? The same way that tree, you may think it's going to start going this way, and over time, all of a sudden, it bends to the left, and then it starts growing up straight again. Well, so it is with us. God is, bold, is molding us. He's shaping us, and he's bending us, okay, bringing you into victorious outcomes. He is conforming us to the image of Christ. That's his intention, to inform you to the image of Christ. It's an organic process, not an artificial one. That is, the lines typically aren't straight, going from point A to point B in life. And you stop and think about your life. Has your life been, been straight, I mean, on, just from here to there, without any interruption? Has your life simply gone from point A to point B without any deviations? Did your life, I mean, if that's the case, then all of us have these lives with perfect lives where you never had a disappointment, you never have had something, anything that materializes right. That never happened to anyone here, right? Your life was just, mm, just perfect, okay? You know, you stop and think back how many things didn't materialize that you prayed for, how many things didn't do this, didn't do that, where something came out of the blue that stopped you. Okay, you're like that tree. God is saying you're going this way. Okay, now sometimes that bend in the branch was your own doing because you chose not to do what God wanted you to do. So God takes that branch and corrects it and changes it another way. You see, but eventually you're going to get to where, get to where God wants you to be. The same way all of those trees, they wind up pointing towards heaven. Okay. There's that old poem by Joyce, was it Kilmer? I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. A tree whose branches never sway or something like that and always bend their, always bend their, their arms in prayer. It goes on to say, it's called trees, look it up. All right? So it's talking about the trees, they with their branches going up, they're like praying. So God will get you to the point where your branches may bend off and twist and go this way, but ultimately God is molding and he's shaping you to get to where he wants you to be. Additionally, knowing that God often surprises us should make us hope in the future without being presumptuous. That is, we shouldn't expect always to know exactly how God will work in our lives. Okay? Don't get presumptuous knowing how God, how God is going to work. Just know that God is going to work, but don't think that you can figure out exactly what he's going to do. Okay, I find the most comforting thing, and I wish I had time to play the song, What You're Going to Do Today, goes on to say, the singer says, What You're Going to Do Today, Lord, Miracle, Sign, or Wonder, What You're Going to Do Today. Expect a surprise. Expect that God's going to do something different. We shouldn't resist God's working in places that we, that, um, that we secretly don't want him to work. Don't expect God not to, uh, uh, to, be work, uh, to resist him working in places you don't want him to work. If you've got a place in your life that you're holding secretly or whatnot, don't be thinking that, oh, well, God can work around that or he won't go there, okay, or in any place in our life that wouldn't make much sense to you. The way God chooses to reveal himself to us, us in our lives, can typically be surprising. The God of the Bible is in the business of surprising his people with his plan, with his care and his future for them. We do not know entirely what the future holds, but you know it's going to be good with God because he, if he's in control of your life. We should always wonder with joyful anticipation what God will do next, even during difficult times. All right? When you've got something troubling going on in your life or challenging in your life, stop and just say, you know, you resolve to yourself, well, I know God's in charge. 
You know, I, I even have found myself saying at times, off and on, all right, God, I don't know what's going to happen here, but surprise me. Surprise me, okay? Because I know he will. Because I know because I'm his favorite child, <laughs> because I know that I'm his favorite child, amen, God loves me, that God's going to surprise me and it's going to be something good, okay? And I even got, finally got to the sense of realizing in my old age, no, in my young age, let's say, I'm not going to confess age, okay, that even if it's something that I did not particularly want, it's going to be good for me because God gave it to me. Amen? Amen? Even though it may not be what I'm expecting, it may be all, something other than what I'm expecting and hoping for, if God is orchestrating it, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. So, okay, Lord, surprise me. What you're going to do today? What you're going to do today? We should always have hope in his promises, even when things seem dark. We can expect that he will surprise us, us, us for our good and his glory. And his glory. No eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Okay? And realize that too. God is not going to surprise you with something or have something happen in your, in your life that is a real good thing. That he's where he's not going to be glorified. Okay? All right? And many times we don't think about that, you know? And if you stop and think about it and you're really, 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 really honest with yourself, the thing that maybe God did not ha- let happen that you were hoping and praying for, when you stop and think about it, if you had gotten that or if you had done that thing you didn't get or weren't able to do, ask yourself, would God have been glorified if I had done that? Would God have been glorified? Amen? God may prevent you from getting a certain particular job, but then God puts you in a place that is an, is an awesome job, and he's glorified through that because if and when the time comes, and God will usually send somebody your way where you can testify uh, uh, to them, where, they, where you can tell them, well, let me tell you where I've been with God. I wanted so-and-so, and so I was praying for so-and-so, and God took me here, which is far better than where I wanted to go. Therefore, you're glorifying God. You're giving God the credit, Okay. So God will drop surprises on you. The thing about it is, how do you manage the surprise? How do you handle it? And do you go through life expecting that God will indeed do a surprise? God's surprises are beautiful and unexpected mirrors of the character of God. Understand that God's surprises are good and reflect his love for you. Okay? If God did something, dropped a surprise into your life that wasn't a good thing, how are you going to enjoy it? How are you going to, to glorify God? How are you going to be thankful to God? How are you going to realize how much God loves you? You know, And anyone that's sitting here in this, or in the sound of my voice on this podcast here, if you can ever stop and think back how God came through for you, how God bailed you out of some situation, how you felt at the time, how grateful you were, how thankful you were. If you really are a Christian and those things happened to you, you would have spent some time thinking and marveling at what God did. Okay, many times God drops those surprises in the 11th hour. In the 11th hour, God will drop that surprise and something will open up. Okay, and if you're like me, when those things have happened, and it's happened to me myriads of times in my life, and I expect them to continue to happen, when that good thing does happen and that thing opens up that I've been been anxious about, that I sit there and I say, wow, man, (sighs) thank you, Lord. You came through again. You came through again. And then many times, Holy Spirit in the flood, in my memory, will come back to me all the different times that God did, did bail me out, did bring me through. You see? But the thing in life is to go through life expecting that God has a surprise for you. 
God's surprises do not do anything outside of his will and occur right in the midst of his will. So open yourself up to God's surprises. Embrace them. And remember to always put the giver above the gift. Put God above the gift. Don't look at the surprise or the thing that he blessed you with so much that you wind up putting that above him. Amen? Amen? So start your day with what you're going to do today, Lord. What you're going to do today. Go out the door saying that or get up in the morning. Okay? Especially if you've got something that you're praying about and you're hoping for, then you really should be starting today. Okay, Lord, today is day number, today is day number three. Or today is day number 79, or today is day number 142, whatever, how long it is. Ask us, say, okay, Lord, what you're going to do today? I expect a miracle. I expect a surprise. Amen? Surprises. Remember that our God is a God of surprise. Just when you think that you've seen it all, or just when you think that there is no other place to go, he'll drop a surprise on you. Amen? Amen? Praise God.